Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Are you ready for the word now? Amen. Without any further ado, he's no stranger here, and he was part of this vision actually coming to pass. And uh, uh, when change it took place, uh, I called uh, a pastor friend of ours, and uh, he was actually uh, under Pastor Rick's region at that time. Spoke to Pastor Rick. They said, let's see what we can do. And then we uh, met one day here in the city of Reno. Amen. And now look what God has done. Amen. God is faithful. God is awesome. And so I want you to give a nice, big Capital City Region welcome to Pastor Elder Rick Alanis this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. How many feel Jesus in this place? Amen. Just a few moments, this was just an ordinary gym. But this morning, we've turned it into the house of God. Amen. In the presence of God. Amen. Why don't you raise your hands right now and give them a good welcome. Just begin to worship the Lord. Just begin to give God praise. Take a moment right now. Ask God to prepare your hearts. Ask Him to prepare your spirit. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. We praise you this morning. We exalt your name. We acknowledge your presence in this place. We acknowledge your presence, your glory. We welcome you, Jesus. We welcome you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Hallelujah. 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 We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Come on, worship him. Worship him. He's worthy this morning. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We acknowledge you, we exalt you, we exalt you, we exalt you. Be glorified, oh God, be magnified, Jesus. Be exalted, be exalted this morning, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise God. Now give him a good welcome, amen. Come on, everyone. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor Eddie, for the opportunity to come and share and speak to the region. And uh, what a tremendous turnout. What a blessing this is. Amen. To see. Some came all the way from Hayward. I got to see a couple of them here from Hayward, California, and also here on this whole region. And it's so blessed to be able to be a part of what God is doing here. And this is only the beginning. Amen. It's only the beginning. And uh, we are anticipating great and mighty things. As the ministry begins to grow, as the ministry begins to expand, we're believing that all of our churches are going to grow and begin to expand. This is our season, our season of growth and our season of expansion. And as we, uh, you know, receive the promise of God that God has given us of growth and expansion at this time of our ministry, then it's important that we prepare ourselves and we position ourselves, all of our churches and all of our pastors and all of our leaders begin to prepare and position ourselves for the growth that God wants to bring. Amen? If we don't do that, then we're going to hurt ourselves. So we need to all begin to rise up. Amen? And, and be challenged. Be challenged. Every one of us, from pastors to ministers to leaders to, to those in the congregations, to rise up and say, this is our time of growth and our time of expansion. I refuse to stay left behind. I refuse to let 
you know, years go by, business as usual, but this is my moment, amen, my moment to take a hold of the promise of God and what God has called me to do and what I can contribute to this ministry of Victory Outreach International, amen. There is some tremendous things that God is doing through the ministry of Victory Outreach International. In fact, we just came out of uh, two elders meetings, one one week and then the next week, and just brainstorming, looking at our future, and uh, talking about certain things. Uh, just recently, we, we went and celebrated the graduation of one of our elders. Pastor David Martinez has gone to be with the Lord. Amen. He has gone to be with Jesus. And he is there now with Pastor Cal Amaraz and Pastor Steve Pineda and, and so many others that have gone before. And now they're standing there in the grandstands, cheering us on. Amen. Praying for us, interceding cheering us on to take this vision, what God has, has started, and finish this thing. Amen? To finish this thing. How many want to do that? How many want to do that? Amen. So, so we're excited what, what about our future, what God is doing all over the world. There's exciting things happening. Doors of opportunity are opening up for victory outreach all over the world. Amen? And so we want to be prepared for that. You may take your seats this afternoon. I just want to acknowledge my beautiful wife, Jeannie. Amen. Has come with me. Why don't you stand? Amen. And uh, she's come to support me and be with me here. And, and God has used her tremendously also with many women. And, and it's so great to be able to have a, a wife that is your back-to-back -back partner. Amen. Back-to-back -back partner. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to go ahead and go right into uh, what we need to do here today. I know that time is going, but you've come so far, amen, that we want to be able to give as much as we can in the time that we have. If you have your Bibles, you can take your Bibles quickly. In fact, why don't we do this? Why don't you just, let me just give you the scripture and we can move from there because we want to save time. Exodus chapter 18, very familiar passage of scripture, Exodus 18 verse 13, and on through you will find a very familiar story. And how many remember that that this is a time in the history of God's people that also they were experiencing some growth and they're experiencing some, some, some expansion in the, the lives of God's people. They were under the leadership of Moses. Is that okay for me to move around a little bit so I can, okay, all right. I don't want to be stuck behind a cage over here. Amen. But this is a time where, where God, under the leadership of Moses, was leading God's people, and they were multiplying. They were growing. And whatever Moses was doing up to this point, he had to be doing something right because he had a lot of people. He was passionate a whole lot of people. And this was a time here where Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came to visit Moses. And as he came to visit Moses after, you know, the whole introduction and the whole, you know, uh, welcoming party and so forth, then the next day came, and the Bible says, as, as Moses done from day to day, he went and sat there among the people, and he began to counsel the people. The Bible says he began to counsel them from morning until evening. And when Jethro, his father-in-law, seen what Moses was doing, what he did is he called Moses over to the side. And he said, Moses, listen, what you are doing is not good. He says, what you are doing is not going. You're sit here counseling and dealing with these people from morning till evening. If you continue doing this, 
the way you're going, you're going to burn yourself out and you're going to burn these people out. Come over here and, and listen to my voice and listen to my advice of what I'm about to give to you. And then what he does, he begins to give Moses insight, insight into the ways that he is going to be able to mobilize these people into the future. Because God had plans for these people. God had great promise for these people. And the way that Moses was going, he was not going to be able to take these people any further. But there had to be changes. There came a time in his ministry that there had to be some change. Everybody say change. How many know that if you want to grow your, your ministry, you want to grow your church or grow your region or grow a ministry, there has to be changes. So you, you'll do certain things up to a certain point, but then there'll come a time where God will come and, and he'll tell you, listen, it's time for change. If you want to take this thing further, if you want to take the people further, then you're going to have to make some changes, necessary changes. And this is where many pastors, ministers, leaders, and even individuals begin to uh, uh, come to a place of decision that either they're going to move forward or they're not going to move forward. It all depends if you're willing to change. See, we cannot allow ourselves in our ministry, especially at this particular time, to suffer from what they call paradigm paralysis. What does that mean? That means that, that there, that is a person or individual that is stuck in their way of thinking. They are stuck in their way of thinking. You say, well, this is the way I've, I've been taught. This is the way I've learned. This is the way it is. This is what I know. And they're stuck. Sometimes people are stuck in a certain era or a certain time, uh, you know, uh, of our ministry. But how many know that as a ministry grows and the ministry evolves, there's going to be changes. There's going to be changes. And it's important that us as ministers, pastors, leaders of the ministry, we, be, we, we don't suffer from paradigm paralysis, but we adapt or receive or welcome paradigm flexibility. That means that we are able to flex in our way of thinking, be open to the new avenues in which God wants to work and use our life. See, because you have to understand that things are changed. God may not want to do the same thing twice. Amen? God may want to do things different. We see this throughout the, the Bible with Moses. Even Moses, you know, when God told him, you know, uh, uh, strike the rock, and then later he told him, speak to the rock. And because Moses was disobedient and got out of frustration with the people, he struck the rock, and he suffered a consequence for that. Right? See, because sometimes Moses failed to be open to a new avenue in which God wanted to move at that particular time. David, David, when he defeated the Philistines, he defeated the Philistines, and, and after he was anointed king, and his first order of business was to take out the stronghold out of, out of Jerusalem and drive out the Jebusites, he established the city of David, and when the Philistines heard about it, they all gathered together to come against David. David inquired of the Lord, and God said, go ahead, go for it, and he took out the Philistines, right? But then they regrouped and came back again. And so David could have just leaned on his own understanding and said, well, God gave me deliverance this way, and let's just go and do it again. But no, that was a secret to David's success. The secret to David's success is that he didn't depend upon his own wisdom. He didn't depend upon his past experiences, but he always learned to inquire of the Lord for every situation. 
And thank God that David went to the Lord that day and inquired of God once again a second time, Lord, what do you want me to do? And this time the Lord said, listen, this time go around them. Different strategy. And thank God that David had a relationship with God and had the ability to hear from God beforehand of what God wanted to do that hadn't even happened yet. That is the kind of leadership that we need today in this generation are leaders that know how to hear from God of things that God wants to do before they even happen. That way we can be ahead of the game. That way we don't have to be a type of ministry or leader of people that is always just reacting. Reacting to situations. When the devil hits, then we pray. Then we fast. Then we're just reacting to life. No, we want to be a ministry and leaders today in this day and hour that are throwing the first punch. That are more on the offense, not on the defense. Can you say amen? That we're ahead of the game here. Amen? And so we see that it's important then in order to do that, that we got to be open. Our minds got to be open to what God wants to do. The principles of our ministry, the values, and the convictions that we have as a ministry will always remain the same. But you build off of that. You learn to see God and what God wants to do today. How does God want to use me in my ministry today? What is the mind of God today in my city in, in my church, in my ministry, because we all go through seasons. And so as a leader, you want to know what is it that God is doing in this season? Amen? And so, so, so I, I, you know, this, this is a kind of leadership that we're looking for. So the theme of this uh, discipleship is building leaders of leaders. And we see that Moses, you know, was ready to take the ministry another level. But he couldn't continue to function the way he was functioning. So Jethro, God used Jethro's father-in-law to give him advice and begin to help Moses identify his role as a leader. And it lays it out there. And then the last thing he tells him, now what you're supposed to do is then is select leadership. Other men, amen, that are able to share the ministry with you, that are able to uphold your arms and help you know uh, uh you you share the ministry and carry some of the weight of the ministry so i want you to select able men capable men who fear god that there is nothing inside here that is corrupt they have integrity of heart right and begin to delegate begin to 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 assign them over uh thousands hundreds fifties and tens right in other words, he was training Moses, teaching Moses how to begin to structure for growth, unlimited growth through the delegation of leadership. Not just appointing leaders, but leaders of leaders. Leaders of leaders. And see, if you want to take your ministry, now a pastor can pastor a church of maybe 100, maybe even 150 but once you start hitting that 150 mark, pretty soon the demands of ministry begin to become overwhelming. The needs of the people, like in Acts chapter 6, when the ministry was growing, pretty soon there were some widows that were complaining, right? And the disciples said, look, we need to then appoint men, see? Because as a ministry grows, there's a need for delegation. There's a need for more leadership to develop. And if we want to prepare ourselves for the growth and the expansion of our ministry and our churches, then we need to constantly be reaching, developing, and training leaders. And then once we get them to the place of becoming good leaders, because you don't want to stop there at just good leaders, 
Leaders that run ministries can lead ministries. No, you want to go the next level, and that's where you start developing leaders from good leaders to leaders of leaders. Men and women that know how to work and develop other leaders as well. Men and women that know how to reproduce themselves in other leaders. Men and women that know how to work themselves out of a job. Huh? If you're a leader here that has issues and you don't like to be in control and you like to run things and you like to be in charge and you, 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 you feel intimidated when other people are rising up, you're never going to grow your ministry. You'll bottleneck your ministry. You'll hold your ministry back. Amen. Because you got to get rid of those issues and be willing to change because the whole purpose is to reproduce, is to multiply many times over. This is what's going to bring growth and expansion to our ministry. And if we bring growth and expansion to our ministry, it brings growth and expansion to our churches. And if our churches grow, our ministry grows. Amen. So what is a leader? Let's, let's first start and ask, what is a leader? What is a leader? Let me give you a definition of a leader first. First of all, a leader is a person with a God-given capacity, God-given responsibility to influence. Everybody say influence. A specific group of God's people towards God's purpose for that group. Let me say it again. A leader is a person with a God-given capacity, God-given responsibility to influence a specific group of God's people towards God's purpose for that group. Now, let's break that down for a moment. What do you mean a leader is a person with a God-given capacity? What that means is that God has given every leader what they need to lead. When you talk about a God-given capacity, you're talking about gifts, abilities, talent. You know, just like the parable, the, tal the talents, when, when the traveling man called his servants, right, the Bible says he delivered to them his goods. In other words, he gave them what they needed to be successful, to be productive in the kingdom of God. And a leader is a person with a God-given capacity, meaning that whatever assignment, whatever calling, whatever vocation, Whatever it is that God has called you to do in the kingdom, God has given you the gifts. God has given you the ability, whatever you need to get the job done. God always gives us gifts that fit our mission in life. So that, will, that, that way you understand that if God challenges you for an area of ministry, don't be afraid to accept it. Of course, we're going to look at our own inadequacies. We're going to look, well, I don't feel qualified, or I've never been in Bible school, or are you sure you want me to take over this ministry? If God has called you to do that ministry, then God has given you what you need to be successful and get the job done. Amen? Because a leader is a person with a God-given capacity, meaning that we've been given gifts from God and the ability for whatever assignment or ministry he has called us to do. Secondly, God has given us a responsibility. A leader is a person also with a God-given responsibility, amen, for whatever assignment that God has given to us and whatever people God has entrusted unto us to lead, we have to always remember as a leader, we have to give an account to God. We have to give an account to God for all those whom we influence. Because, see, a leader is a person of influence, Right? In order to, 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 to be a leader, you have to have some kind of influence. 
Because we said a leader is a person with a God-given capacity and responsibility to influence a specific group of God's people. But how can you influence people towards God's vision for their life if you have no influence? Now, how does one get influence? You got, listen, before you can have influence over someone's life, you first got to be trusted. You got to have some respect. Everybody say respect. I'm not talking about ghetto respect. I'm not talking about neighborhood respect. I'm not talking about being a leader that demands respect, that goes around and says, you better respect me because I'm the pastor or I'm the leader. Don't you know who I am? I'm the one that's been put in. I'm not talking about that kind of respect. That's not even respect. See, but a leader, in order for a leader to have influence, people got to respect you. And in order to respect you, they got to trust you. Amen? And so how does one gain respect? And how does one gain trust in order to have the influence, the godly influence, to move people towards God's purpose for their life? Well, first of all, it comes by when a leader has a heart of integrity. Integrity, when a leader has a heart of integrity. In other words, he can be trusted and respected because they're leaders that are honest. They're leaders that, that are truthful. They, they, say, they do what they say. They're men and women of their word. They're, they can be trusted because they have integrity. There's, there's honesty. There's truthfulness in their heart. They have purity of motives. They're not in that position, and they're not there doing what they do because they have a hidden agenda. They're not there for selfish ambition or, or vainglory, amen, or to see what they can get out of the ministry. But their motives are pure. They're there because they love God. God. They're there because they know that God has called them. And now that God has placed them over this ministry, then they got a God-given responsibility to make sure that they're walking right with God and they have the influence needed and the respect and the trust so they can move people towards God's vision for their lives. Somebody say amen. So a leader then is a person with a God-given capacity, God-given responsibility Amen. To influence, to influence God's people towards God's purpose for that group. So that's how you gain influence. See, when you walk, when you walk with a heart of integrity, when you walk with, with not only integrity, but character, you have character. What is character? Character is like being fixed. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's consistent, it's predictable. I mean, it's fixed. It's there. It ain't moving. How many, how many of you have a, ever had a, a, a statue? You have a statue in your city. You're just standing there doing something. Or somebody on a horse or somebody just standing there pointing or something, you know. Right? You know, and everybody, if you think in your mind right now, that statue in your city, if we were to go there right now, what would it be doing? It would still be doing what it did yesterday. And if we went there tomorrow, what would it be doing? It'd still be doing the same thing it did today, right? Because that's character. It's fixed. Huh? It's fixed. In other, and that's the kind of leadership that we need, character. It's like when, when you develop a certain consistency about your life. 
Amen? Uh, you know, godly consistency, that you're faithful, you're dependable, you're available, you're there. People can count on you. Why? Because you're fixed. You're a man of character. You got a good report. When they talk about you, oh, yeah, yeah, they'll do good. Oh, they'll get the job done. Oh, they're consistent. They're faithful. And it doesn't matter if it's snowing outside, if it's hot outside, if it's winter, spring, summer, or fall. Listen, they know that they're going to be there. That's character. That's why people can trust you. They can depend on you. You're like a pillar in a building that holds everything up. That's what brings security to a church, to a people, because they have leaders, they're pillars that are there holding everything up. That's character. That's how you gain influence. When you, uh, when you have integrity and you have character, you got to have both. See, in integrity is who you are when you're by yourself. See, it's an issue between you and God. It's how God sees you. That's what integrity is about. It's an issue between the God and the leader. It's who you are when you're by yourself, when nobody's looking, when nobody's around, like Joseph. Amen? When he could have probably got away with sin, but he refused. He didn't. That's integrity. It's integrity. Amen? It's when you can sin, but you don't. Even though you can probably get away with it, nobody will find out, but you don't do it because you know that you live your life under the eyes of God. And you're here to please God. So it doesn't matter if anybody's around. Listen, it's an issue between God and the leader, and it's an essential quality for leadership. It's an issue between you and God. And if you want to advance and move forward, you've got to maintain your integrity as a leader. Because every level of leadership that you go, you're going to face with that. You're going to be faced with that issue. If God can't trust you in the little things, how can He entrust you with greater responsibility? So it's integrity is how God sees you. Character is how we see you. How man sees you. The report that you've developed among others because of your consistent walk, your consistent talk, your consistent lifestyle. That's what builds trust and respect. In the hearts of people. That's what gives you the spiritual authority to lead. Any leaders here? So a, a leader then is a person of, with a God-given capacity, God-given responsibility to influence a specific group of God's people towards God's purpose. Now get that. Towards God's purpose. Not your purpose. Not my purpose. God's purpose. God's vision for our life. See, sometimes you find leaders that are just concerned about getting people and influencing people to get things done what they want done. But really, our job as a leader is to influence people to get jobs, to get God's business done. There, there's that purity of motives, amen? It's to get God's business done. Amen. And that that if that is true, if that is true that, that of a leader, that our job is to influence people towards God's purpose for their life. If that is true, then then what is God's purpose for their life? What is God's purpose for the group that you have been entrusted to lead? Huh? What is God's purpose? What in other words, what is God's vision for your ministry? What is God's vision for your, your church, your ministry, what, the responsibility that God has given to you? What is it? See, if you don't know where you're going, then how are you going to lead people there? And I have found there are so many leaders that are doing ministry in churches that they really don't know what they're doing. 
They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. They're just trying to do ministry. This is why it's important then to understand if that is true, then you and I as a leader then must learn to get the mind of God, of what it is God wants to do in my ministry, where he wants to take us in the future, and how we're going to get there. Because if you don't know where you're going, you can't influence anybody. Too many leaders are aiming at nothing, and they're hitting it every time. Amen? So, 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 this is what leadership is. Amen? Now, I want to talk to you about, now that we understand what a leader is, and all that is going to fit in the context of where I'm going, because, I, 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 you know, we're talking about leaders of leaders. But there's a, there's a starting point, right? And I'm going to kind of take you just through a, through, through a process. I'm going to hope and, and, and pray that I can communicate and articulate uh, 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 what, what a leader of leader does and how he builds a ministry. Because how many want to build a ministry? How many leaders do we have here that are leading ministries right now? Let me see your hands. Okay. And how many of you are, are a part of a leadership team? Okay, good. And, and how many of you are just aspiring leadership? Okay. So listen carefully because I'm going to take you on a journey and I want you to go with me. I hope we have enough time. Is that okay? Because there's time, when I, when I looked at our church, and there was a season when, when God, I seen, wanted to take us another le level. There were times where, seasons in our church where I just was looking for good leaders that can run ministries. But then, after you, you develop those leaders, then there's a shift that, you have to uh, that has to take place. And that is developing leaders of leaders that know how to build ministries in the local church. Okay? Now, we learned from Moses that a leader cannot build a ministry by himself. So understand that first and foremost, that if you've been called to build a ministry, first and foremost, understand you can't do it by yourself. You can lead one for a season, amen? You can manage one for a season, maintain one for a season, but if you're going to build a ministry, and that's what we want, that's where we want to get to. We want to get to a place where we have leaders that know how to Build ministries. We want pastor leaders, not just good pastors out there that are pastoring churches, but are able to go into cities and pastor churches and begin to raise up a, a base of operation that we can become a launching pad that can send other pastors to other cities, right? But if, if you have a pastor that goes into a city that just has a pastor mentality, then they're just going to have a, a church. And they're not going to go in wanting to build a region. And from a region, begin to plant churches all over the world. Unless they are pastor leaders. That's what we're looking for today. What we're looking for to send out now into other cities is not just good pastors, but pastor leaders. They can go into a city and begin to raise up a church, begin to develop other leaders, begin to reproduce themselves and start building a region and plant churches around that region and build up that region, expand that region, amen, and then begin to start look, setting their sights to the world. You see the process? Amen. So, so it doesn't, it, it, same thing with a ministry. You don't want to just have a ministry and you running that ministry, you and your two or three or five people, but you want to build that ministry. Because your job is to help your pastor grow and expand that operation, right? Build a base. And to do that, you got to reproduce. you got to develop other leaders around you. They're going to help you build a ministry that's going to bring growth and expansion. So let's go on this journey. Okay, let's, let, let's say 
I've just been, Pastor Eddie said, Pastor Rick, listen, I have this need. I have, can you build this ministry? There's a need here. Can you take over this ministry and, and, and want you to build it? I said, okay. Pastor Eddie has delegated to me the responsibility of this ministry. Okay? Let's, let's take evangelism for, for an example. Okay? I want you to build an evangelistic team. All I got, you know, because I, I go back when I first pastored, all I got is a backslider. I got some old lady, and I got, I got somebody else that, 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 is, that is in and out. Amen. And, and so that's all I got. But I got to build me a ministry, right? So what, was the, what would be the first thing that I would do in any ministry before you get started? If it's true about the definition of a lead, what a leader is, the first thing that I would do is get a vision from God. First thing I would do is begin to ask God, begin to pray begin to fast, and begin to ask God, God, what is it that you want to do in this ministry? How does this ministry fit within the body of Christ? How can it help my pastor? You know, how, can, how is it going to help the church? You know, how, where does it fit? What is its purpose? What is its mission? What, what, what vision do you have for this ministry? I would first get the mind of God of what he wants to do. And then I would try and get a visual picture of it. A mental picture of, of where I'm going. Someone said the best way to start is to begin with the end in mind. Get the picture of it, of, of see your ministry, of where you, you believe God wants to take it. I, you know what I would visualize? I would visualize having, you know, teams of evangelism hitting the west side, teams of evangelism hitting the north side, teams of evangelism hitting, you know, the east side, all over the city, and then all over the region with also other leaders. And, and, and then, put, you know, I, I would visualize a whole big old package. But I only have a backslider, an old lady, and one that's in and out. So I got to get started somewhere. Amen. But I would get a vision from God. The second thing I would do is I begin to write it down. I would write it down. Habakkuk 2 says, uh, write the vision. Make it plain on tablets that he who reads it may run with it. Just like Victory Outreach has a mission statement that communicates who we are, of what God has called us to do, what our purpose is in the kingdom of God. And it's clear, amen, we have it all over our churches, all over our walls, everywhere in our bulletins, our mission statement. This is who we are. This is why we exist. This is our mission in the kingdom of God. It's clear. So that the person that just gets saved in Victory Outreach, amen, and goes into the women's home or men's home can read it, understand, this is our mission in life. So I would take that vision and write a mission statement. Write it down. So that that way I can always have it before me. And I will not allow myself to get distracted. From that which God had already given me in prayer. See, because that's what vision does. Vision motivates. It moves. It drives. It stirs. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. Or without a vision, the people cast off restraints. Well, that's an interesting word, restraints. What does that mean to you? What picture do you get in your mind? Oh, brother, I get flashbacks when I was in that mental institution, man. Uh, mental institute. They sh when I think of restraints, I think of the police. That's what I think of. <laughs> when they would restrain you, right? And then they would handcuff you. Then they would lead you where you didn't want to go. But 
you had to go, right? Restraints. That's what restraints. Where there's no vision, people cast off restraints. When people don't have a purpose in life, when they have no reason for living, when they have no direction, then you know what? They're involved in all kinds of other things because there's no restraints. They have nothing to restrain them to stay focused on something. That's why they're undisciplined. They go over here. They go over there. They visit that church. They visit this church. They go from here. They go from this ministry to that ministry. When they get bored over here, they go over there because there's no vision. See, vision restrains you. That's why I understand what Paul said when he said, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that await me, but my spirit tells me that bonds and afflictions are awaiting me. But I don't count my life dear unto myself because all I want to do is finish the ministry, fulfill the ministry, the vision that God Almighty has given unto me. When he stood before King Agrippa and he began to ask him questions about why are you doing what you do? You keep getting busted, arrested, thrown in prison, whipped, beaten. Why? He says, oh, King Agrippa. And he started testifying of what happened to him on the Damascus road. And then he stood right there before me and said, and therefore, oh, King, I refuse to be disobedient to the heavenly vision. Now I understand what he meant. He had to go to Jerusalem. He didn't have a choice because he had a vision to fulfill the ministry that God had called him to do. When you have vision, you have restraints. You have discipline. It keeps you focused. It keeps you from getting involved in this and getting involved in that. See, when you have vision, that's where you spend your energy, your time, your gifts, your talent, your ability, your finances. And those are people that get things done. That's what vision does. So do you have a vision for your ministry? Do you know where God wants to take you? Does, do you see your church functioning and operating in your city at a whole nother level, at a mega mentality or mega level? you got to see it there because if you don't see it, then you're going to go day by day, week by week, just blindly trying to find your way. See where you want to go and then start working yourself there towards it. Vision. Write it down. That way... It stays there. And when whoever joined me, that backside, this is what we're called to do. This is what we're going to do. Now, the next thing, this, the, the third thing that we got to do, then after we get a vision from God, after we start writing it down, then the next thing is to start communicating that vision. Start communicating that vision for the purpose of envisioning, listen, and recruiting people to get involved in your ministry. Uh, see, in other words, now when I go to church, I go to church on a mission. Huh? Because I got to build me a ministry. When I walk through the doors of the church, I don't just come to the church and just to come and show up. Just to punch in my card and show the pastor, hey, I'm here, you know, and then, you know, I'm okay. Amen? Okay. See, because, listen, I come to church now on a mission. I come to communicate. Now that God gave me a vision, I'm looking for people who I can communicate and share this vision with them that can jo want to join with me and partner with me in getting this mission done. Can you say amen? So I come, and I come ready to evangelize the church. I come to recruit. I come to evangelize the church. I'm looking, and you know who I'm looking for? I'm not looking for people. I'm not looking for people that are already involved in other ministries. I don't need them. I'm going after the inactive. 
I'm going after the people that have been coming, and I've been seeing Sunday after Sunday. They ain't doing nothing. Those are the ones I'm going to go, and I'm going to communicate my vision to them, and I'm going to ask God, God, give me the ability like Jesus to communicate and articulate this vision so effectively that it moves men's hearts and minds to want to join with me and get the job done. That's what you call a transformational leader. That's what vision does. See, if you're excited about your vision, it's contagious. When you start sharing, have you ever talked to somebody that's excited about their ministry? They're all bubbly. They're all excited. They can't even get the words out. And, and you're just looking at it and say, wow, whoa, wow, whoa, you, wow, man, that's exciting, man. You know, I want to be a part of that. That's what vision does. Amen? It excites. It ignites. So I go to share my, communicate my vision to recruit people. And I go after the inactive people. Because you don't want people that are already, you know, because then you start just, then you have that ministry, you know, leadership backlash. These leaders start complaining, well, you took my disciple. I was working with that one. And, and you, you know, why, why don't you get your own? And you start having all, forget about it. All. You don't have time for all that. You got to build a ministry. So get the inactive. Those that aren't doing nothing, pull them aside. And go after the new people. The ones that just got saved, they're all excited about their salvation. Just looking for somebody to give them something to do. I go after the the, the new converts, the just newly saved ones, and the inact, and I pull them, and I start envisioning them, and I start pulling them to join with me in this ministry. And as I start doing ministry, we start doing ministry together, and the goal is to develop a nucleus of people, to gather a nucleus of people that are going to help me and share with me in the ministry. And while I do ministry, they're with me doing ministry as well. Amen. And I, I continue on doing that, and I do that for a while, and I work with them and work with them and work with them and work with them. Now, once I gather that nucleus of people, once I got that little group of people and we're doing ministry, now the next step is to start discipling and start training those individuals. Start discipling and training. See, there's a difference. See, discipleship is getting a, a convert or an individual from just making Jesus Savior to Lord of their life. I start deciding. In other words, the people I got now, I want to get them to become committed Christians. True disciples of Jesus Christ, where they are in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. They're learning obedience to Christ. Amen? They're learning how to live for God. They're learning how to experience God. And as they experience God in their life and life situations, I'm there to coach them and teach them, you know, the right conduct, Christian conduct, Christian responses, so they can learn how to develop the character of Christ in their life. Discipleship. See, some people just look for people to help them in ministry, just looking for hands and feet and workers, but they don't work with the person. So too many leaders are focused on trying to build a ministry rather than building people. You got to, you build people, you'll build your ministry. That's why you got to disciple them, build relationship with them, get into their life, teach them how a Christian, be what you want your disciple to be. Then teach them the spiritual disciplines of prayer, of learning how to seek the face of God, of learning how not just read the Word of God, but study the Word of God. The discipline of faithful church attendance, of being faithful to church, of not forsaking the assembling of themselves as some others do because of trial, but stay plugged in, stay connected to the body of Christ. This is who we are. We're members of this body, and we need to be connected to it. Teaching them those, those 
basic principles of tithes and offerings. Because you know why? I want my team to be blessed. Because we might need some finances to build this thing. If they ain't got no money, how are we going to build it? So I'm going to teach them how to position themselves, not only that they're so prosper, but they would prosper as well. But I gotta, so I got to teach them the biblical kingdom principles of how to prosper, and that is through tithes and offerings. Teach them how to give to God. Teach them how to be generous in their giving. Teach them how to separate their tithes to the Lord and honor the Lord with their substance. So that way God can start blessing them. I can see somebody didn't have nothing. All of a sudden they got something. They got a job now. They feel responsible now. They can pay their bills now. They can take care of their children, their family, whatever, because they learned the principle of giving. And then also the other discipline of sharing their faith as well. Hey, recruit other people. You know, get other people involved. Ask other people to come and join with us as well. So I start discipling. Now that I got me a nucleus of people, and we're working together, right, doing ministry. As we're doing ministry, I'm discipling them, but also I'm training them. Training them is, is, is teaching them the how-tos of ministry. It's equipping them for the work of the ministry. You know, giving them books, tapes, you know, listen to this, showing them the how-tos, different methods, different techniques of how to get this job done so we can be more efficient and we can be more effective in what God has called us to do. So as I got my nucleus, I'm discipling, I'm training them, okay? And as I'm doing ministry, I'm, I'm watching, I'm observing, and I'm praying while we're doing ministry. And what am I watching for? I'm watching for those that have leadership potential. I'm watching for those that out of the cream of the crop, they start, they start arise, they rise, because there's always someone that starts responding, they respond more. They're more available, teachable. They're, they're, they're rising up. You can identify the leadership potential in them. And as we're doing, I'm watching that because I know that I can't take this thing any further by myself. I'm going to build it. I need other leaders around me. We're running out of time. I'm sorry. But as I look at them, that, that's my goal is now to develop a team of leaders around me. They're going to help me. Build this ministry. And the way you do that is you first got to look at yourself and know who you are as a leader. What leadership styles do you have? What's your personality? What, 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 what traits do you carry in your life? You know, what is your leadership style, your gifting? Because you got to first know who you are, so then that way you know how to pull certain people, other leaders around you that are a little bit, that are gifted differently than you. That's, that's what you call plurality of leadership. Because you don't want leaders around you that are just like you. Because then what you'll have is you'll just have everybody that just agrees with you. Whatever you want to do, oh, yeah, that sounds good. That looks good. But if you have other people that are gifted differently, that see things a little bit differently through a different lens because they're gifted that way, that helps you. Helps you see things differently, see the whole picture of things. Because you just have people that just like you, you see just one side. But if you have gifted leaders, gifted differently around you, they see the other side, and it might protect you. Then you get a holistic approach of certain things of what you want to do for God and accomplish. Amen. Now you can build something for God. Amen. And that's the goal is to develop that leadership team around you that's going to help you build this ministry because you can't do it by yourself. Amen. And so once you get that leadership team, I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to close right now. 
Amen. I'm going to have to close right now. But once you get that leadership team, then you want to start holding regular meetings and fellowships with that team. Regular meetings and fellowships. Meetings to take care of business, right, to envision them, to train them, to evaluate the ministry, its progress, and then to move forward. And then fellowships. Why do I say fellowship? Because you don't want your relationships with your leadership team or anybody you do work in ministry to be just based on work. Did you hear me? As you do ministry, you don't want your relationships with people that you're doing ministry with just to be based on work, ministry. That's why you want to have times where you just have them over, you barbecue, get to know each other, get to know their wives, the names of their kids. They know you. Build relationships. Because there's going to be times in ministry that sometimes, you know, ministry is getting, getting rough or you have big events and you got to get things done. And before you might have been real nice and, you know, but then when you're under pressure, you're under the gun. How many know sometimes you don't have the time to say please? You don't have the time to say, you know, could you, you know, you know something, brother, come on, we got to get this thing done. and got, Get over there. No, leave that over there. Get over here. And they don't get hurt. See, if they don't know you, they might get hurt. They might read you differently. But he says, well, where's the love? What happened to the love? And then they go complain to the pastor. Pastor, you should have the way you talk to But they don't understand. Like, when you're in the heat of the battle, you ain't got time to, you know, listen, you're, you're in the front lines and bullets are flying. Listen, ain't, ain't no sergeant have time to say, please, could you hit the deck, please? But if they know you and you have a relationship and they know you, they know that it's just the heat of the battle, even if you might have talked a little bit harsh with it, but because they know you love them and they know you care about them. Can you say amen? Amen. We ran out of time here. Praise the Lord. I wish we had more time. Next time, amen? We'll get there. We'll get there. Because we want to go another level. But I tell you this, as you start building these ministries, think, think futuristic. You want, you, you want to get to become a good leader that you're running things well, but also you want to start developing other leaders around you. Amen? That's a leader. A leader, a leader is someone that knows how to work and develop other leaders. That's a leader of leaders. Okay? Pastor Eddie. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. I know we have to end, but I asked Pastor if he could make an altar call. How I many were challenged? Amen. And we'll just take a few moments, and I'm just—if you feel led today, if the Lord spoke to you, we need leaders of leaders. We don't need people like I love what he said—they're just going to do good ministries. But in that ministry, they're going to raise up leaders out of that ministry to either take over or work themselves out of a job. Amen? That's how the church is going to grow. The church will only be as strong as the leadership that's in the church. And so God has called many of you to be leaders. God has called you. Some of you are leaders right now, and you're a good leader. But we want you to be a leader of leaders. And then there's some, you're in the church. And I'll say this, you choose who disciples you. You choose who you want to work with you. You choose who disciples you. And get around that person you see as a a good leader with their pastor's heart that sees the vision the pastor has for the church. Amen. So this, this morning, if God spoke to you as we sing this song and you want to just come to the altar, come come quickly, come to the altar, and we'll just give God a few minutes here. Let the Lord minister to you. Let the pastors pray for you. God is here.
We need leaders of leaders. Hallelujah. Come on.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your messenger. Thank you for this word that was clear and concise and straight to the point, oh God. Lord, I ask that you would just raise up leaders of leaders in this place. That we would move from being on being just good leaders, but now, Lord, to leaders that are going to raise up and reproduce people, God. Reproduce people for the ministries that we're in. Reproduce people for to take cities, God. To take nations. To take country. Pastor leaders like Pastor Rick mentioned, God. Not just pastors, but pastor leaders, oh God. So we pray today for that this word that went forth would sit on our heart, God. That we leave this place and we know that we're not called just to be ordinary, but to be extraordinary, God. To do things with excellence, with the spirit of excellence, God. With the, with the grateful attitude. And Lord, with an attitude of we're going to build the kingdom of God. There's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be times of stretching. There'll be times of discouragement. But God, you are faithful and you will see us through every situation that we face. I pray for all the leaders here. God, bless them. Bless their families. Bless their children. Bless their, their spouses, God. Bless, bless them, God, in all that they do, Lord. Let them be blessed and let them raise up fruitful ministries. Ministries that go beyond the status quo. Ministries that go beyond just being efficient, but are effective in reaching people's lives. And not just ministries that are busy doing work, but ministries that are busy working in people's lives. We want to see people changed and transformed by the power of God through us. You have given us the ministry of reconciliation. In Jesus' name, everybody says amen.